Welcome to the 100th episode of the Get Unstuck and On Target podcast. I'm Mike O'Neill with Bench Builders, and as a coach, I work with owners who are trying to grow their business, but they're struggling with people, process, or planning problems. Since this is the 100th episode, I wanted to invite someone special to celebrate this milestone. That special person is Christina Hooper. Christina is the founder and CEO of Sparkative. Her company specializes in helping service-based businesses improve their lead generation and sales. It is Christina who encouraged me to start this podcast, and she's been very helpful to me and my business in so many different ways. So I'd like to introduce you to my friend, Christina Hooper. Welcome, Christina. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited for the 100th episode. That's so cool. Well, I, I am too. I decided not to do the party hat or the whatever things you, what do you call those things you blow out? Yeah, we'll have to add the sound effects in there oh. so that we've got the, you know, 100th episode. Like, Gosh, yeah. that has flown by. But Christina, you're the one who suggested that I do that. And in the spirit of full disclosure, what you said is, Mike, this might help position you in the marketplace as a bit of an authority. And it's that topic that I would like us to spend our time together discussing. And that is, how does one and why should someone strive to be seen and act as an authority in their area? I mean, the simple answer is to make more money faster right? Which is what we all want to do. That's kind of the point. Um, probably breaking down some of the why it, it shortens the sales cycle and it enables you to charge more for your services. So if we look at, you know, if I've been following somebody and all of their content, listening to their podcast episodes, reading their blog articles, watching their YouTube videos, and I get ready to hire them for that service, I already trust them. I already know them. I would go to them and be like, hey, here's my situation. How much money and for what do I need to give you? <laughs> like the sales conversation changes versus if somebody's doing their, you know, due diligence and they're checking out three or four different people and they send a little contact through the website and they're like, hey, I would like a quote. And you know, now you have to do the song and dance, right? You have to do the, here's what I do. Here's how I help. Here's how I, you know, would you like to book a discovery call with me so that I can see if I can help you and make some recommendations and, you know, they're going to get their quotes and they're going to try and figure out, do I go with the cheapest one? Do I go with the one that I vibed with the best on the discovery call? And you're going to, you're going to spend potentially weeks, months, maybe even years working this person up into being a, you know, a good client. And then you're going to have to be priced competitively and all that other good stuff. Versus if they know you, they've seen you, they recognize you as an authority and they're like, can I just throw my credit card at you and you give me back awesome stuff? <laughs> like you've maybe only had one conversation with that person and they're ready to buy. Like it's a, it's a huge change, not just in how much you can charge and how fast you can sell, but also for the business owner yourself. I mean, a lot of us are doing our own sales at, you know, smaller companies and it's exhausting to have to prove yourself to people all the time and be like, look, can you just trust me? I can help you. Will you just, will you just give me money and quit making me have to justify why and how and like, just, just hire me. Right. You know, it just, it gets exhausting to have to prove yourself all the time and it, it beats you down. So being an authority has a lot of advantages. 
in a lot of different ways. I think I was kind of a little bit long-winded on that and a little bit soapboxy, but I feel like it's so important. Well, you may view it as soapboxy, but I have obviously subscribed to what is it you're recommending. Um, and so you've rattled off a number of things. And so my hope is that we can have this conversation and we make it kind of relative to everybody. A business owner who is seeking business, obviously this would apply. In many respects, this applies even to those who are in the corporate world. But in terms of your typical client, my understanding it's primarily those who are in the service-based industry. Yeah. And you're working what, primarily with the business owner? Yep, um, we call them ACEs for short. So agencies, coaches, consultants, and other expert entrepreneurs. And yeah, I mean, it's people who essentially are trading not just time, but experience, skill, advanced training, you know, for money. And, you know, they're doing that in a variety of different ways. Some of them are doing just like coaching services. Some of them are doing done for you services. Some of them have like masterminds, group coaching, things like that, um, or a combination. But the biggest thing that they have is a lot of passion, a specialized skill set. And, you know, really being willing to go in and serve and deliver for their customers. If they're just out to make a buck, not usually a good fit client. It's the ones that actually care and want to build a deeper relationship with their clients that are a great fit. So, Christine, if I'm a business owner and I have passion for how I can help clients and mm -hmm. I have a process in which that can be done, walk us through what are the first things that you encourage your clients with Sparkitus help to kind of get in place, to be seen as that authority? Well, most people would jump straight into marketing, right? And they would think about all the marketing things that you need to do. But what we've discovered is that businesses evolve in a pretty particular way, especially the business owners. A lot of times they start with a business brand that they're trying to grow. So they're not really marketing themselves. You know, mm -hmm. they're marketing a company. Like when you first started, it was all about bench builders. It wasn't about Mike, it was bench builders. Most people start the same way. I know I did. It was all about the company. And then it's somewhere along the way, somebody kind of drags you out of your shell a little bit. And they're like, hey, would you like to come speak? Or can I interview you for my podcast? Or can I, like somebody pulls you out into the world and now you've begun the journey of marketing you as a person, right? So it's like, now you're out doing stuff as Mike O'Neill. You're being interviewed as podcast. You're applying to speak on stages. You're, you're doing stuff with your local chamber. And now Mike has a presence in addition to bench builders. And that's a pretty common progression that we really start to see happening. The next evolution is when the company starts to run on its own. Mm. You have to set it up to scale. You hire someone else to run and manage it and you do more mic, right? Like you're out there doing more speaking, you're traveling more. I mean, like I'm traveling a lot right now. We were talking about that before we started the show. Like I've been in Tampa, San Diego, I'm heading to Nashville. I'm going to be in Austin all within about three or four months. Well, my company has to run largely without me during those times. So that's kind of the next evolution is the owner starts to break free, the company starts to stand on its own. Once that kind of break starts to happen a lot more, the owner's out here doing a lot more stuff, right? Like I'm meeting a lot more people, making a lot more connections, doing a lot more networking, making a lot more partnerships. What ultimately ends up happening there is you start becoming more of an entrepreneurial investor. You have enough time and enough freedom and enough relationships and access to more people and information that you end up investing in companies, either like the Roland Fraser Epic model where you donate your time, your knowledge, your experience in exchange for a piece of the company. So you don't even, doesn't even cost you anything to buy in 
and you know you get equity off the company or straight investing but then you end up not only marketing your business and your personal brand but also all these other businesses that you're <laughs> you're now part of as well so that kind of tends to be the journey so with that journey in mind back to the original question how do you really start down that path of building your authority you understand that that journey is going to happen and you think about what it's going to take to make it happen intentionally mm -hmm. right if we just go and we take this initial brand like if we just take the bench builder brand initially and we just market the crap out of it okay that's cool but eventually mike's going to get yanked out if we don't plan for that and we don't plan for mike's going to have more demands on his time he's not going to be able to be tied to the company then all kinds of like problems and issues and bottlenecks and stuff start to happen where your company growth actually gets stalled so what I like to do instead is we go back and we call, we started calling this a maximum impact map and we focus on kind of six core fundamentals. We focus on what your superpowers are, what you can be known for, what your expertise is, who it is that you're going to help, who's your niche. Let's get kind of refined down and really think about who you're really specialized to help with. We think about your scalable product catalog. So like, what are the products and services that it is that you're going to be delivering and how are we setting those up to be scalable even without you involved with them? Mm -hmm. You know, cause we're planning for intentional growth. So get that nailed down. We put in some guardrails. I started calling this a happiness defense system. Hmm. So how do we put guardrails in so that as your business grows, you continue to like it. Cause yeah. I keep talking to entrepreneurs over and over again that have fallen out of love with their business. They don't like it anymore. So what guardrails we need to put in place? Like, do you have to have Saturdays off because Saturday nights off, you cannot work on a Saturday night. You, you don't want to work on a weekend at all. You need Monday mornings where you're not dealing with clients. You don't like doing one-on-one -on -one stuff. You prefer group or you don't like doing done for you services. Like what are the guardrails that we have to be able to put into place to make all of that work? What is your core message? How are we going to communicate what you do to the people that you want to do it for in the right way so that they understand it? And then the marketing plan, the visibility plan. What are we going to do to get you out in front of a whole bunch of people, right? That's a lot of stuff before you even start marketing that you really want to think about because like you want to plan for the smoothest growth ramp possible because when you start being an authority in your niche, you can grow very quickly. Like you can go from not having a whole lot of business to being pretty slammed pretty quickly. And if you're not vetting for the right fit client, if you're not selling the scalable services, if you're not able to communicate what you do very efficiently and the impact it can have for people on people, it's going to get painful very, very, very quickly. So that's all of kind of a first step. That was a big first step. That's first step. But you've laid out a very clear kind of roadmap by which business owners, they want to grow their business, but all too often when you grow the business, that business is dependent on you. And what I understand you to be saying is that you have to be in a position such that as you grow, you understand that your role as a business owner might change. But yep. what I understand you to say is it's, it really kind of starts with have a clear idea of where you want to take your business. And you made a comment earlier that applied to me. As you know, I spent 25 years in the corporate world. I was a corporate HR head. That's what I know. That's what I knew. That's how I kind of identified myself. And early on, I kind of created a corporate website. You know, the fact that I was even involved with it was kind of buried on page three of the, of the website. And with your encouragement, you've kind of said, Mike, 
you've got people who are affiliated with bench builders, but most likely they came to bench builders because of you. Something yeah. that you have done. And it's that establishing people as authority. So let's go down that path a little bit. If you start with an understanding of where you can take your business, and if you do that, what that would require, what are those first things that you encourage business owners to kind of get down, locked in, uh, to establish themselves as an authority? Yeah, I mean, once you kind of have that that fundamental piece down, you know who you're trying to target, you know what your superpower is, you know kind of what you're trying to sell to people, the next thing you have to do is really get in front of them. I mean, you have to produce massive amounts of content or you have to be scrappy as hell, hmm. right? You have to be willing to go knock on doors, drop stuff in the mail, pick up the phone, talk to people, or use what I love, which is the podcast, right? Like podcast is a great way or any type of collaborative content really, but podcasts are kind of having their a big heyday right now and they produce a lot of content in a relatively short time frame and they're relatively easy on the business owner to do. So that's why they're kind of gaining such popularity. But essentially collaborative content is like, hey, you're really good at a thing or you had something amazing happen recently or I would love to talk to experts in your field like you and get some insights and inspiration that I can share with my audience. Would you be open to that? And that is a way easier knock on the door than going over there and being like, hey, I want to sell you my thing. Hmm. Can I talk to you about it? Do we have time? Would that be, you know, like that most people are going to be like, no, I don't want to be sold to. But like, I would like to feature you on my podcast as an expert and share some of your knowledge, insights and experience with other people like you who may be going through some of the things you're going through. Would you be open to that? Yes. Cool. Yeah, of course. Right. And over the course of producing something like a podcast or even a blog article or some people do like they go live every week with a different person and they live stream it out or whatever your format, whatever you're comfortable with podcasts or blogs or whatever, you have an opportunity to have multiple touch points with somebody because you had to do the initial reach out and conversation, explain what it was and why, you know, something that they should maybe participate in and da 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 da. da. You had to schedule it. Then you do the actual interview. There's always some like pre-chat, the actual interview, some post-chat. Then you can follow up later when the content's actually published and share it with them. And if you're dripping that content out over multiple months, you know, like you take a podcast, you split it up into multiple social posts, into emails, into, and they're getting notified. They're getting tagged every time you do this. I mean, you can have like a two to three month relationship with a potential client through the course of producing content. Right. So if you're on the scrappier side of things, looking for those first like 10, 15, 20 clients, that's a fantastic way to do it. Absolutely fantastic. Once you're starting to scale a little bit more then public speaking is absolutely great. I mean, you're getting you're basically borrowing other people's audiences. Hmm. Right. So first you're trying to get one on one with your target client. Stage two is can I borrow someone else's audience? Because you're still trying to build yours. Right. So it's like as you're producing all this content while you're doing the scrappy side, you're putting con you're putting stuff out on your blog, you're putting stuff out on YouTube, you're putting stuff out on, you know, social media through email. So you're starting to build your audience, you're starting to build your tribe of raving fans, right? You're getting there. But in the meantime, let's go steal everybody else's. <laughs> All right. So let's go co-create content with other people. So look at somebody who already has your audience and is already doing things with them. They've spent time building them up and they're a good collaboration with you. They do something that your audience needs because that's why we want to niche down and really think about who we need and what they need because then we can find these people. It's like they're doing something else your audience also needs and they've already 
invested the time into building an audience. They already have them. How can you co-create something together like a workshop or a live event? Or do they have an actual event? Is there a trade show style event potentially? Like uh, when you niche down into manufacturing, that was immediately, okay, well, there's expos, trade shows and events that happen just for manufacturers. So it's like, now that's a goalpost. Like, let's get you on as many stages as we can with an audience full of manufacturing managers, right? Because who goes to the who goes to these shows? It's the decision makers. It's people that have influence inside the company. If it's not the owner themselves, it's somebody who has influence. They don't fly just anybody out. Company's not footing the bill to fly just anybody out to these things, right? So getting on those stages is kind of the next step, which you've already done the groundwork. You've already set yourself as an expert. You already know who you're targeting. You already know how to help. So coming up with a few topics that you can stand on a stage and speak on, easy peasy, right? That authority building, so it's like you're building the authority, creating content with somebody and featuring and highlighting a lot of notable experts, meanwhile getting clients, turning those experts that you're interviewing into clients, and then getting on stages and building up that expertise even further. And even something as simple as being able to walk around an event with a speaker badge on, because most of the time they label speakers. Mm-hmm. You know, little things like that. It just, it goes such a long way. You know, it's interesting. We've talked about the benefits of, of hosting a podcast to position you as an authority and how you could use the podcast as a platform. The majority of uh, podcast guests are people who I've come in contact with who just intrigue me, who I think mm -hmm. have uh, something interesting to share. And I think it would be interesting to, to a listening audience. Um, and so I go about doing that. I learn from them, but in developing that rapport, they get a better feel for me and how I help clients. And it really kind of comes back to relationships, yep. you know, and we've talked about hosting a podcast, but one thing that you've kind of stressed is that if you want to be seen as an authority, you may not have to host a podcast. Why wouldn't you take that same expertise and make yourself available to podcasts that cater to your target audience. Yep, exactly. So being a guest on a podcast gives you a lot of the same advantages without having to do the actual production. Because mm -hmm. I mean, like you're aware of, it's a process. You know, you have to find, you have to vet, you have to make sure that you've got the right guests, you have to do the actual interview. And then you either have to be able to do all the back-end production work or be able to afford to hire someone to do the back-end production work, right? And it, it's a lot. You're producing the videos, you're producing the audios. You're creating show notes, you're creating social posts, you're creating emails, like there's a lot of back end work. So being a guest means you don't have to do any of that. You can just do like what I'm doing right now and you can just show up, be amazing and be done <laughs> and still get a lot of exposure to someone else's audience. And then, you know, really cement the relationship. And I think that happens, you know, you, you mentioned relationships and so important. I think it happens on both sides of the fence. So as a guest, you still have a responsibility to the host. Yes. To a make sure that, you know, you're showing up the way you need to show up. You need to have good lighting, you need to have a good microphone, you need to look good on stage. You need to be thinking about, you know, the topic, what you're gonna talk about, how you're gonna, you know, make it as succinct as possible and do all that kind of ahead of time, be a good guest. But you also need to do your due diligence on, you know, sharing out the content. So when the host sends you over and says, like, hey, we've published it. Right. Oh, this is amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to interview me. This is fantastic. I'm going to send this out to my email list. I'm going to put this out on my social media channels. I'm going to get the word out and send some traffic back over to you because it's relationships. Right. And it still looks good. You're, you're looking at your audience and being like, Hey, I got interviewed 
<laughs> yeah, so it still helps establish you as an authority, but it also helps cement the relationship with the host, which is why I think it's so, so, so important to think about your relationships when either as a podcast host or a podcast guest. What value does knowing this person bring to your life? What value can you bring to theirs? You know, like, is this somebody who can be a potential client? Are they a potential referral partner? Are they somebody who's going to expose you to the right audience that you need to be exposed to? Do they have access to a stage that you're trying to get to? You know, what what are you going to be doing with this person potentially, you know, in a strong relationship? It doesn't necessarily happen fast. And I think that's one thing people maybe don't think about sometimes when you're doing this kind of stuff is it's like, it, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not going to happen in one interview. You know, it's like if you're the guest on a podcast and you're trying to build a relationship with the host and you want them to know who you are, start a conversation and continue the conversation. Continue to check in, continue to get to know them a little bit more. It might take you six months before they even, you know, fully understand what you do or refer people to you or whatever door you were trying to open gets opened. But it's still important to think that through. You know, you have a limited amount of time as an entrepreneur. You need to spend it wisely. <laughs> so naturally, we would start with podcasts. The advantage of hosting a podcast or being a guest on the podcast. But for folks who've been watching or listening, they may say, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, I can't go there. But there are other ways that you can establish yourself. You mentioned blogging, and we kind of very briefly talked about social media and how all that uh, works. Kind of walk us through how can one put high quality content out there that's meaningful that does position the writer you the writer as an authority what goes into that so the cool thing is that the two levels of strategy that we talked about also apply to written content like blogs also apply to social media so stage one be scrappy go find your target client find your referral partners find the people that you really need into your life that are going to generate the revenue that you need to generate, right? You can do the same thing. Like I can even write one blog article that's like 10 quotes or 10 tips from the top manufacturers in the industry or something like that. You could go interview 10 people, go get your first 10 clients just off of doing that and just write one piece of content, right? Like that's super scrappy. One blog article is really easy. You can still do the same thing. You still had to reach out to them, explain what you're doing. You still had to do the actual interview process. You still have to produce the piece of content and share it with them. They can still share it with their audience. Right, so you still get all of the same value, but with a blog article instead of a podcast. Mm -hmm. Or you can do one blog article per interview if you want. That would kind of be the next level up. Same kind of thing with social media. You can go live. So you can be like, hey, I want to like do a live interview with you. And I'm just going to like go to Facebook, hit go live. Or go to YouTube and hit go live. And just interview somebody and create social content. You can do the blog article and share it on social media. Like, hey, I interviewed 10 of the top people in the field. And here's what I had to say about it. And you link them over to the blog or you create little quote graphics that it's like what one of the top, you know, engineering firms in the United States had to say about what to do and make a little quote. So you can still use that same, you know, low end strategy of let me be scrappy and go get conversations with people that I want to do business with. Then on the higher end of it, where it's like you want to leverage somebody else's stage, you can guest post on their blog. So you find someone else that already has a blog and you're like, hey, I would love to write some content that would be helpful for your audience. Is that something that you would be interested in? You know, here's a couple of topics that I would propose. Is there one of those that fits? You do want to do your due diligence on this one again. Look at their existing blog. Have they talked on that topic before? Is this going to be relevant to their target audience? Look for some signals that, you know, they do have an audience so that you're not just publishing on a blog that has like nothing 
there's some tools that can help you check the domain authority of a website. So if the domain authority is over, if you're a smaller company and you're really still looking for those first few really good leads, if the domain authority of the website's over 10, it's pretty good. If it's over like 20 or 30, it's even better. The higher up the domain authority gets, the more, you know, the better that site is performing overall. So if mm -hmm. you're going to guest post, that's a cool thing to do. And there's tons of resources. If you just Google like domain authority checker, there's a bunch. And you just put their web address in there and it'll tell you what their domain authority estimates. Every tool's got a different scale. So check it against your website. If it's higher than yours, go for it. Um, and just put out a quick blog article on their site. You can um, reach out to them and, you know, ask them like, hey, I would love to go live on your social media channel and deliver some value to your audience. Would you be open to that? Um, so you can still use both strategies for written content like blogs, emails, and social just the same as you could for a podcast. It's just those two levels. Like, how can I be scrappy and get my first clients? How can I steal someone else's audience? And then the third is you have your own, right? Like after you started building all of this, eventually you have your own audience. You have a big email list, you have an active social following, you have a community that's paying attention to you that recognizes you. And you know, you still can do some of these other things, but it, it you have people hanging on your every word at some point. So it's not that big of a deal. You made a comment a moment ago about you gotta be patient. Mm -hmm. And that is you can't ex expect to get immediate results on that um, in practical terms. If a business owner says, I really would like to purposely work on positioning myself as an authority within my industry, and mm -hmm. I'm willing to do the things we're talking about, be it, be it website, their social media presence, be it profile, posting, and what they actually post and how that might do, you probably encourage your clients to give a little bit of time. Is there a general rule of thumb that, that you advise them? Oh, man, that's a fun one. So if you're going out and just putting out blog content and you don't have much of a following, you don't have much website traffic, you're putting out content and you're trying to just get your own audience built up, that's going to take you from 12 to 18 months minimum before you're even getting any kind of traffic. Hmm. And then you can start optimizing from there into leads and optimizing from there into customers. And I mean, it, there's a reason why most businesses fail within their first year. Then again, within their five, like the high, high, high numbers of failure because it's what they're doing, right? Because I mean, it, if it takes you 12 to 18 months to even get enough traffic, get enough eyeballs on what you do to even start to generate leads, right? Then you're gonna end up with having to troubleshoot leads, right? Mm -hmm. Your lead quality is not gonna be great right out of the bat, no matter what you do, there was nothing to measure against. You had to start getting something so that you can start optimizing. Well, and then when you start getting more leads and you start getting better leads, now you have to optimize your sales. <laughs> So, I mean, it can take between two and five years to go through that process and really get it dialed in where you're getting traffic, you're getting high quality leads, you're selling the right thing, you're good at selling it. And you're, you know, like it can be a pretty long involved process. That's why I like some of these scrappier methods, because it's like if you're, if you can get past some of the mindset issues, and I know this is something that we're up against a lot, like people are like, well, I'm not an expert or I'm not an authority or I don't want to position myself that way. If you can get past the mindset issues and kind of just do that out of the gate, people connect with people a lot better. And so if you're willing to reach out and be like, I want them as my client, I'm going to use a podcast or a blog article to make that happen so that I can have a conversation with them, so I can have that cup of coffee with them, so that I can be like, hey, me, you want to pay me money? <laughs> and then you start, your sales process gets optimized faster because you're having more conversations with your target customers, even if they don't buy. 
So you learn how to explain what you do. You learn how to sell. You learn how to, you know, really figure out what their pain points are, really hone in a lot faster. So I mean, it's like talking to people is the ultimate hack. It's the one that nobody wants to do because it's the one that they're the most uncomfortable with, right? You have to reach out, you have to start conversations, you have to build relationships, you have to have uncomfortable things. You have to be like, hey, I really thought you were a good fit client, but you don't seem interested. And I would just, for future reference so that I can get better what I do, I would like to know why. Why are you not interested in hiring me? What's the barrier? What could I have done better? And these really awkward conversations. <laughs> But you can streamline that and start getting your first clients within months instead of years. If you can get outside the comfort zone, if you can own that expertise, if you can narrow down your niche. Like even myself, like I fought the niching thing for way too long, way, way too long. And I, I like dipped my toes into the water of niching in probably the slowest way possible. It's like, I'm gonna walk into the Arctic water and I'm gonna do it like one tip of the tippy toe at a time. Mm -hmm. And it just like and type me like, it was ridiculous how long I fought it. And I mean, we went from, I'm gonna niche into professional service providers. And I was like, cool, that's narrow, not even remotely. Professional service providers could be everything from the person who cleans the carpet at a corporate office to a business coach, to the person who scrubs the toilets or changes out the light bulbs or installs the, you know, like professional services is a lot, that's yes. a lot. And then we narrowed down into coaches thinking, well, it's coaches. Coaches are narrow. No. How many coaches are there? How many different types of, like, it's ridiculous. Like you need to have, you know, people talk about, you know, these, these big, uh, big, big companies with these huge law firms on retainers, you know, and it's like you step into court and you're backed by like 10 attorneys. Mm -hmm. You almost need to do that with coaches. Mm. Like, cause there's, there's a coach for everything that you're currently screwing up on and you need to hire them all and have like a whole wall of them helping you with all the different things. So it's like, I, coaches is not very narrow. And so then we ended up niching into ACES, which was a little broader actually, but with a focus on expert entrepreneurs and people that were really, you know, like we talked about earlier, selling their expertise. And then we niched even harder and niched into neurospicy entrepreneurs. So people have like ADD, ADHD, OCD, autism spectrum, and they're trying to scale their business as an expert entrepreneur that eventually wants to you know, speak on stages, become an entrepreneurial investor, blah, 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 blah. like that's like, so we got really focused in. And when you do that, your messaging gets so much clearer, you know exactly who to talk to, you have a lot of the right conversations. And a lot of that came from conversations. It came from very awkward conversations. My journey, my path to niching came from a lot of really awkward and weird conversations, but it's what helps, you know, really get your messaging clear and get your sales. So the original question was like timeline to start generating revenue. It really depends on how quickly you can push yourself outside of your comfort zone and how much you're going to stick to doing traditional versus being a little scrappy and having relationships and doing things. Cause otherwise, if you try and go the traditional build a business route, I mean, it can take you three to five years before you've even gotten like your first 10 good clients. You know, the ones that you love, that you enjoy, that are profitable, that are, you know, because you're going to you're going to sell to the wrong clients. You're going to sell things that you shouldn't sell to the right clients. You're going to sell things you shouldn't sell to the wrong clients. You're going to sit like the learning curve on all of that is massive. And I mean, it can be five years to get 10 good, profitable, you're happy, they're happy clients going the traditional route. So get awkward and go have conversations sooner rather than later, you know? I like that term, get awkward, 
be willing to be scrappy. Uh, that's what you've obviously encouraged me. You encourage other clients. I think you've already answered this in several different ways, but I want to give you a chance to revisit this as we kind of begin winding down our time together. And that is thinking about the theme of this podcast, getting unstuck and getting back on target. Can you think of an example perhaps where a client or perhaps even you got stuck and what did it take to get unstuck? I feel like it's always somewhere in the niching. Always, always, either not wanting to do it, being afraid to niche, you know, the wrong way, being afraid that, you know, you're not going to like the people that you niche into or whatever. But I mean, the biggest thing is when you do niche, everything gets easier. Like we've been talking about, it, it gets your product, delivering your products or services gets easier, gets more efficient. You deliver a bigger result. Your messaging gets easier. Identifying your target audience gets easier. It gets easier for your target audience to identify to identify you as soon as I started saying that I do authority marketing for neurospicy entrepreneurs and I said that at these last couple events that I've gone to the introductions just kept happening I mean people kept bringing people over and being like you need to talk to her you have ADHD they don't even know what some of them didn't even know what I did Hmm. they honed in on the fact that ADHD thing or the ADD thing or the autism thing and they're like do you have ADHD she could probably help you and we're just making these introductions, you know, I got introduced to people that I would have never expected to get introduced to ADHD performance coaches, ADHD networking groups for entrepreneurs and the people who were running those. And it just immediately started happening. So I feel like niching is a thing you really get stuck on. I mean, I've been in business for over 15 years and I just really niched heavily down and went the last six months to a year, like that's how long I fought it. And I got stuck there for a long time. Most of our clients do too. They're afraid that they don't know enough about that industry, afraid that it's going to be the wrong one, afraid that there's just so many fears attached to it that is probably the one thing that most people get stuck on the longest. But I think the biggest thing to break down that and get unstuck is to realize that you're niching for scale initially. (laughs) You're niching initially. Mm-hmm. As you become more known, you know, we've talked about that transition where you're having to be really scrappy and just go get as many one-on-one conversations as you can to getting on other people's stages and stealing audiences to having your own audience. As you get bigger, as you have your own audience, as you get better at being in front of other audiences, as you build relationships with other entrepreneurs that can generate sales and referrals, as you have more happy clients that are sending you referrals, you can start to expand back. You know, a lot of my services would work for a wide variety of people. It doesn't necessarily have to be authority marketing. It doesn't necessarily have to be neurospicy. Like I could work for a lot. Of, I do marketing. You know, I mean, like I could work for almost anybody and everybody in a variety of different ways. But by niching down initially, I'm able to really solidify my company, solidify how we serve and deliver for our clients, solidify my messaging, build my audience get you know reliable resources on other people's stages really start building it up and then i can expand i can expand later you're not stuck there forever if you get profitable if you get good at the one thing then you have money you have time you have credibility you have authority and you can expand later so to get unstuck you just kind of have to pick and do it I love how you just kind of circled back and covered almost everything. And it basically means I didn't have to ask that next question. And that is, you know, <laughs> how would you summarize in terms of takeaways? Christina, for those watching or listening, I'm confident 
that they've heard something that resonated. And I know how you like or don't like that word resonate. But I don't know what it is about that word. It's a weird word. <laughs> maybe I'll just I'll edit that word back out. But if they heard something that they want to hear more, what's the best way for folks to reach out to you? Uh, the easiest way is just to go to my name. So ChristinaHooper.com and all of the links to all of the things are on that page. So your social media platform of choice. I think I'm on almost all of them. Um, my podcast, everything. You can get to everything from that page. Excellent. We will include links to all of those in the show notes. I was looking forward to spending this time with you to celebrate the 100th episode. I would not be doing this if it wasn't your encouragement and your help. Thank you for all you have done for, for me personally and professionally, Christina. Oh, you are amazing. I have so much fun working with you, helping you. And say like anybody listening right now, manufacturing or even otherwise, I know we initially into manufacturing, but anybody who has people, I've never met anybody like you, Mike, that is so, so, so good at coaching entrepreneurs on their people issues. And that is one of the huge barriers to scale. It is such a huge barrier to scale. We talked about how you can't be in your business doing all the things all the time if you're going to scale correctly. And it, people is a huge one. It's a huge one that everybody trips up on. I mean, everybody trips up on. And Mike is just such a natural. You are just amazing at helping people conquer those problems. So props for you. Celebrations on the 100th episode. This is amazing. Thank you so much, Christina. I, I also want to thank our listeners who have stuck with us through all 100 episodes thus far. We upload the latest episode every Thursday to all the major platforms, including Apple and Spotify. So if you enjoyed this episode like I did with Christina, please subscribe. Christina has spent quite a bit of time talking about you know what goes into growing an organization. And so from a people side, if you're trying to grow your business and you want to make sure you've got the right people or processes in place so that you can grow smoothly, if that applies to you, let's talk. Head over to bench-builders.com and what we'll a schedule a call. And on that call, we're going to talk about what those growth goals are. And we're going to explore very practical steps that you can take right now to make sure that that growth happens. So I want to thank everybody who's tuned in to this special episode. I hope you have picked up on some tips from Christina. They'll help you get unstuck and on target. Until next time.